right, everybody. Welcome back into the Motorsports Take Podcast. I am your host, Kyle McFadden, and we have another show lined up for you here today. We are going to hear from USA 100 race winner Brandon Overton, who won the $2,000 paycheck down at Virginia Motor Speedway this past weekend. And we're also going to hear from Bo Feathers, the former super late model standout uh, in the Virginia area. He is now uh, playing owner slash business owner these days. We're going to catch up with him later in the show, but uh, we're just going to get straight into the weekend rundown from the from this past weekend. Uh, Ross Chastain was the, uh, he crossed the finish line first uh, at Iowa Speedway in the Truck Series this past Friday, but uh, he got DQ'd because his ride height was too low. Brett Moffitt ruled the winner in the NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series. Uh, point standings, Grant Enfinger leads uh, by 47 points over Matt Crafton. Stuart Friesen, the dirt modified racer, uh, is third. Brett Moffitt, fourth. Ben Rhodes, fifth in the Truck Series standings. Christopher Bell dominates the field Saturday in the Xfinity Series at Iowa Speedway. Tyler Reddick. Uh, the former Lucas Oil late model dirt series racer, 51 point lead over uh, sprint car racer Christopher Bell uh, in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Cole Custer, Justin Algeyer, and Austin Sendrick round out the top five in the NASCAR Xfinity Series point standings. Uh, moving on to uh, the Word of Outlaw Sprint Car Series, the NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series. Brian Brown, uh, winner Friday night at Knoxville over Darren Pittman and Shane Stewart. And then Brad Sweet turns around Saturday, wins his fourth feature of the season uh, at, at Knoxville. Logan Schuhart and Darren Pittman finished on the podium points for the Word of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series. Brad Sweet leads the way by 40 points over Danny Schatz. Darren Pittman, third, 134 points behind. David Gravel, fourth, 138 points behind. And Logan Schuhart in fifth, 180 points behind Brad Sweet. Uh, Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. Cal Bronson, Mike Marler, and Hudson O'Neill winners uh, in the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series this past weekend. Jonathan Davenport continues to hold uh, a commanding lead in the point standings, 405 points over Tyler Erb. Uh, Earl Pearson Jr. in third, 425 points off the pace. Josh Richards and Devin Moran currently fourth and fifth in the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series point standing. Now, around the region, Danny Dietrich picked up his seventh Central Pennsylvania win Saturday night at Lincoln Speedway over Kyle Moody and Brian Monteith. Uh, Lucas Wolf won his third Central Pennsylvania race of, of the year Saturday at Port Royal. That was his first victory since March. And then Justin Whittle, and Blaine Heimbach finished on the podium Saturday at Port Royal Speedway. Freddie Raymer, fifth win of the season for him Friday night at Williams Grove. That is uh, his second straight at the Grove and third in his last four races. So he's definitely finding a groove at the paperclip half mile in Mechanicsburg. Lucas Wolf second and Cody Lehman third in that race. Freddie Raymer, we had a chance to speak with him uh, this past weekend. We also did a post-race breakdown Friday night after his fifth win of the season. And uh, I just want to play over uh, that that post-race audio with young Freddie from this past Friday. So uh, here is Freddie Raymer after his fifth win of the season. Well, Freddie, the, this one didn't come as... as uh as easy as last week's they're they're all never easy but how would you break down this one you almost did a wheelie almost put it in the fence uh on the second to last restart and then you corralled yourself made a power move on the last restart to net you your second straight win here uh that was probably like the dirtiest not dirty or whatever you want to say it dirtiest race i ever ran and still won 
some of my fault, some of it's just situation. Like, we did that messy, I would call it. Yeah, like, at the beginning, we got the third in good situation. And on that restart, I had a good one. And then I wheelied halfway down the straightaway and thought I was headed towards the cone. So I set it down, and I had the wheels to the wrong way, and it went to the right. And then Lucas and the two cars went by me, and we got back by the one and got back by Lucas, but he drove back by me again, which is well, you can't let that happen. And, uh, and then... The way it played out with five to go, it was starting to rubber up, so I figured I was just going to go half a lane higher down here and see where I ended up, even if it was just for a second. But we got a good run, and then I did the same thing at three and four and uh, got to in the position to win. But, I mean, we were running third there. At, I didn't care really care if we lost two spots on the restart because you're not going to – if you ain't going to win, it really don't matter if you're on third or fifth. So that's – I've watched enough and done that a couple times. That that was just what I thought it needed to do. So uh, you think it's rubbered up? It rubbered up, yeah. Go tell Spotty. Dave at the six car. Okay. Because his guy's going out there now. Yeah. Coming off three, though, did you know, or I guess middle of three and four, did you know, okay, if I could get oh, this yeah. this run? My entry, I knew we were in good shape just getting in the three with the 47. Just You can just judge your speed enough. That's all. It, you have to be feeling pretty good with PA Speed Week around the corner. Yeah, I mean, racing is up and down, but I we're starting to get rolling here, and the tracks are coming our way. And uh, just got to clean up a little bit, like we said last week. And uh, I think we're in a good spot, though. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so, I mean, just after this week, though, uh, is there, like, anything else that you learned or maybe took a step in the right direction And and when you talk about, you know, I need to clean things up? As a driver, just there's always something. But with the car, we've done something last two weeks, very minor. But I'm liking the way it feels. We've done it a year, a season and a half ago, and we're getting back to it. And I'm, I'm look, I just like it a little bit more. Racers never want to reveal what they do to their <laughs> car, but can you give an idea on what you think that is? Just, just soften the left front so I can turn in easier because I drive so straight. That's all. Nothing trick. And that was Freddie Rimmer talking about his fifth win of the season Friday night at Williams Grove Speedway. Now the USAC National Sprint Car Series and Silver Crown Series invaded Pennsylvania this past weekend, or this past week, I should say. Brady Bacon won uh, the National uh, Sprint Car Race at Grandview Tuesday. Mother Nature won Thursday at BAPS. And then Tyler Courtney won Saturday night at Port Royal Speedway. Actually had a chance to catch up with Tyler Courtney in a 25-minute interview I had with him on Friday night at Williams Grove Speedway. I won't put that out until next week. Uh, just trying to space out my content. But had a really good conversation with Tyler Courtney. He won Saturday night at Port Royal Speedway. Uh, and then on Friday night in the Silver Crown Series race at Williams Grove, Brady Bacon took home the checkered flag, led the only uh, lap that mattered or led the lap that mattered. His only only lap led that whole night. Uh, he won that over Cody Swanson and Justin Grant. Uh, that was his first ever Silver Crown Series win for Brady and uh, his 22nd start. He's won on just about every single form of open-wheel dirt racing except up to that point a Silver Crown race uh, he has not yet obtained until on Friday night. Uh, that was a drama-filled race to say myself. Uh, Chris Windham led the first 47 laps in that race, looked real dominant early, had a three-and-a-half-second lead, close to four-second lead uh, in the early stages of that race, and then some cautions came out, bunched up the field again. And then Steve Buckwater, the local racer from Pennsylvania, uh, came alive. He was wheeling his way up through the field, uh, and eventually passed Chris Windham for the lead on lap 48. He led from lap 48 
up until lap 99, which was the last lap. Uh, it was a 100-lap race. Don't see too much of those anymore. Uh, but, yeah, he led up until the last lap in that race, was doing pretty much everything he needed to do. Um, but but to back up just a little bit be- before I tell you what happened, uh, Steve had about a three-and-a-half-second lead before um, a caution came out with 17 laps to go. That obviously bunched up the field back again. And by that point, um, everybody had migrated to the bottom. Uh, the first 70 or so laps, maybe 80 laps, uh, guys were running pretty much all over the track. They were running the bottom. They were running the middle. They were running the top. But by around 20, 25 laps to go, uh, track started to really rubber up and lock down, and everybody moved to the bottom. So as you could imagine, uh, those last 17 laps are very close. Uh, Steve didn't really pull away uh, on that lap. 17 restart didn't pull away by, by more than two or three car lengths. Uh, and then with one lap to go, uh, Steve was going in to, to turn one. Chris Windham right behind him. Chris got in uh, way too hot and drove right through Steve Buckwater. Steve Buckwater spins around in the middle of turns one and two. Chris Windham skirts on by. Um, and as, as you could imagine, when somebody takes out uh, the hometown guy um, on on a stage like the Silver Crown Series, uh, it didn't go over well. There were fisticuffs in the infield. And uh, just a shower of booze for Chris Windham. But uh, we had a green-white checkered finish after that. Chris Windham lined up first, led the second-to-last lap, and then literally in the same exact spot going into turn one on the last lap, uh, Chris Windham's right rear tire gave away. He blew a tire on the last lap, literally in the same spot when he drove through Steve Buckwalter. Uh, he slowed in the middle of turns one and two, which, which allowed Brady Bacon to skirt on by on the bottom. The seas opened up for Mr. Bacon, and he went on his way to win his first ever Silver Crown Series race. Uh, and we caught up with Brady Bacon um, in our post-race podcast on Friday night, uh, but just want to play some audio from our conversation. So here is Brady Bacon after he won his first ever Silver Crown Series race Friday night at the historic Williams Grove Speedway. I uh, didn't have a very good car at the beginning, um, but then as it started cleaning off and taking a little rubber, we, it really started coming to us. But, you know, it's really hard to pass once that happens. But we had to, you know, finally got by Justin Grant and then uh, Cody Swanson. And I actually had gotten by Chris once and then was trying to get by Buck Walter for the lead and kind of slid up a little high in three and Wyndham got back by me. And then they got together, Wyndham got into the back of Buck Walter. Uh, getting into one there and that gave me one more spot and then I saw his tire was in pretty bad shape and I was telling the guys on the radio I was like I don't know if he's gonna make it um, I'm glad, I didn't I had to I was gonna try to figure something out going into three on the last lap if it didn't blow but fortunately for me it did and I didn't have to try any last lap heroics or anything it just uh, kind of fell into our lap yeah it's really cool you know um, pretty much all the places that we go on dirt silver crown are historic you know DeCoin, Springfield, Indy Mile um, Eldora and Terre Haute and then here so uh, they're all you know really cool racetracks to win at but uh, it's always fun to come out here the the fans really like it when we come out here so the energy levels up a little bit so and then to win my first silver crown race was cool and then to win it at Williams Grove we I've won a midget race here but I had never won a, a big car race so pretty special to win here yeah it definitely does I mean any silver crown win is special because there's only I mean not including pavement races, there's only like five or six races a year. So, yeah. I mean, it takes 10 years to run as many as, as a, a sprint car season. Yeah. So it, uh, it, there, there's just not as many to win. Yeah. 
Yeah, we always, you know, all the fans out here support us with the merchandise sales and stuff. So yeah. uh, we always look forward to coming out here for for that. But uh, you know, it's we kind of get you know welcome with open arms. It's kind of like. You know, they're not allowed to like the outlaws, but then they get kind of tired of the same four or five guys they get to watch every week, so we're kind of the answer to their variety. And then Super Late Models, Andy Haas bagged his uh, first and second wins of the season this past weekend. Uh, the first came at Bedford on Friday over Matt Spinagle and Chuck Kleis, uh, and the second came at Sealance Grove on Saturday over Nick Dixon and Tim Wilson. Uh, at Lernerville Friday, Michael Norris won his third feature of the season, and then Max Blair won the United Late Models Series feature Saturday night at Dog Hollow Speedway. First win of this year for him. Uh, and then Saturday night, big race at Virginia Motor Speedway. Uh, Brandon Overton led the final 40 laps to win the 20,000 to win 60 lap USA 100 feature uh, at VMS uh, and a thrilling finish over Rick Eckert and Ross Bales. But uh, Rick Eckert uh, started 10th in that race. He methodically worked his way through the field uh, and then he moved to second with six laps to go. Uh, not long after that, literally half a lap later, Caution came out, bunched up the field again. Uh, Rick Eckert, man, he was all over Brandon Overton uh, with, you know, five laps to go, four laps to go, three laps to go, two laps to go. Laps were trickling down. Rick Eckert trying to size up uh, the race-winning pass, but on the last lap, Rick Eckert and Brandon Overton entering turn three. Overton had about a half-car length lead over Rick Eckert, and at that point, in the middle of the turn, Rick Rick actually lost a little bit of ground to him, and and I was thinking, like, there's no way Rick's going to be able to generate a run off the turn. Uh, Brandon's going to have to slip up. It, it, It seemed like it was Brandon's race in the middle of turns three and four, but then all of a sudden, Brandon slipped up just a scotch, and Rick Eckert, I don't know how he, he did this. I mean, that's obviously why he's a Hall of Famer, but uh, he went from a full car length behind in the middle of turns three and four to being side-by-side with Brandon Overton. Actually took the lead. His nose was out in front by probably a foot or two coming off turn four on the bottom. Rick Eckert was. Brandon Overton on the top. But Rick Eckert took the lead by a nose uh, right before the the flag stand coming off turn four. But then Overton powered it back to the stripe. Uh, one by .119 seconds over Rick Eckert. Uh, like I said, just an incredible race. A thrilling finish. The closest finish in Ultimate Series history. Uh, Ross Bales led the first 20 laps of that race. He was quick time that night. Led every single lap in his heat. Was dominant early and then faded uh, in that race. He finished third. Uh, but let's hear from uh, race winner Brandon Overton, who, by the way, was very emotional victory for Brandon. Um, his crew member, Billy Vasek, um passed away this past week a tragic accident for him so uh, it was a very emotional scene as you could imagine for Brandon Overton uh, and that number two Joey Coulter team Uh, and then Rick Eckert uh, just a tremendous show of of sportsmanship and and class act in victory lane hugged Brandon Overton seconds or not seconds minutes after uh, those two had a thrilling finish to the stripe uh, but let's hear from Brandon Overton, Rick Eckert, and Ross Bales after they finished 1, 2, and 3 Saturday night at Virginia Motor Speedway. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. We are now with the USA 100 race winner, Brandon Overton. Oh, my gosh, Brandon, that that, that finish had me, I don't even know. How would you just begin to break down this win for you? Uh, 
like I said, that was probably the longest 60 laps I'd ran, uh, you know, in a long time. Uh, Nerve-wracking for sure. Uh, I almost thought I was going to give it away right there at the end. I just couldn't, you know, uh, a lot of stuff's been going on this week with one of our crew guys and stuff. He passed away. So just a lot of emotion uh, in there, and I about couldn't contain myself, you know. So uh, pretty special to win for him and my whole team. You know, we've all been working really hard, and, uh, you know, I'm just kind of glad it's paying off. So just with Billy, how much is he on your mind just in those like moments in the car? Yeah, the, the whole time I was out there, I was kind of talking to him. I was going, "Come on, Billy, just let me, just let me finish this off. Just, just help me if you can, anyway. Just help me get this done." And uh, like I said, he did because I don't, I, I didn't win my, about a car length, so uh, he, I'm sure he was there pushing me across the line. When you're going into the last lap like that, it seemed like Rick was trying to size up that pass for a few laps before that and with like two to go he got a good run on you how much mentally do you try to kind of guess where he's going to go or are you more so like focused on okay if I hit this mark if I hit this patch of moisture or hit this mark on the track I'm, yeah, I I'm just, fine I just kept trying not to overrun the my biggest problem was I kept overrunning the corner you know uh, I couldn't get woke up enough and like I was just looking at those tires and stuff. That's pretty much it, you know. It's, I, I, it's bald. They're bald, both of them, yeah. And that was the biggest thing. Is like I never, I didn't feel good anywhere them last couple of laps. So I didn't really know where to be. I didn't feel good anywhere. So I was just trying to not spin as much as I could. And uh, like I said, it all just finally played out. Did you think, you know, once you crossed the line that I won, or did? Yeah. Did I was, you? I was know? about to tear. Yeah. I, I mean, I was ahead. Because that was real close. Yeah. <laughs> It was close, but I mean, like I said, I, I knew I was ahead of him. I yeah. just, okay. like I said, I, I was about tearing up. I about couldn't even go see to get back over there to the scales. But like, like I said, it's just really, really special weekend for us. So uh, ready to soak it all in. Yeah, but just with Billy, though, how would you put your like relationship with him just like into words and how much has he meant, meant to you and in, in this team here? Yeah, he definitely meant a lot to me. He meant a lot to a lot of people. You know, I've been reading all the stories and stuff. Everybody's posted on Facebook and stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know it, but he, when I run the Word Outlaw deal, him and Tater actually gave me that car that I was running. So wow. uh, we go back pretty good ways. And like I said, he was definitely our right-hand man over here. He took a lot of stress off Harold and let everybody, you know, like I said, we was a, kind of formed into a good team, you know. So Is that his shirt just that's like hanging shirt. off yeah, the back that's there? that's his crew shirt. Wow, he man. wore at the shop every week. Wow. Um, but your season, though, what are you, like, involved in nowadays just – uh, series much, or just no, like races no, yeah, in Yeah, we're just racing general, wherever, anywhere there's some money, that's where we're trying to go. Uh -huh. So, like I said, just trying to go anywhere we can go, hit some, get, you know, a couple hours from the house and stuff that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Where does, um, I mean, just like over the past year, um, are you happy with where you're at now, just with yeah. the two cars? I mean, yeah, we are. We're, we're still not where we need to be, but like I said, we're getting it all put together and it's first year together and it's way different from any way I've ever raced before in my life so uh, like I said it's it's all coming together first year with the team and everything what what are you trying to work out what are some things that you feel like you have done well with them just uh, just said it's just so I don't know it's so tough these days anymore you know uh, I don't know it's just like I said I've always kind of raced by myself yeah now I come over here and the, the car doesn't stay at my house it's somewhere else so I have to drive to the shop and work on it it's just Where's a lot the of different at? things. Charlotte, Mooresville. Oh, yeah. What's next for you? Uh, we go to uh, Lernerville next weekend. Awesome. Perfect. Well, yeah. wish you luck there. Oh, yeah. Thank you, bud. How did you go from a car length back going 
like just like middle of the turn to, to daggone near winning the thing across the stripe. I was it wasn't as good in as they were, but I was I was a little better off, you know. And I, I got myself positioned up there, and I thought, well, I got to run at him. And he slipped a little bit in the middle. I rolled the middle nice, and, and he was just in the right part of the straightaway. I was a little too low. I couldn't get out there. He already had that covered up. And uh, but it is what it is. Uh, I think I gave that race away twice. You know, once in lap traffic when I was leading, and then um, I got beside him there that one time and went down in here and got loose. And ever once I got loose, it was like my tires went away or something. You were so strong. Seemed like you're the car to beat. How do you try to stay ahead of you know the track conditions and how it's going to change? And I mean, <clears throat> it was a lot drier when we started tonight, so I knew it was going to rubber up. And I got the lead, like you know, I was, everything was going as planned. And then we got in lap traffic, and he was able to get by me. He had a good car. Um, and then once, once he got by me, it's like it locked down and rubbered up. Yeah. So you thought that once that happened, it was just I have to see if Rick's going to slip up, but he's like not going to slip up, you know. Yeah. He slipped up that one time, and I got beside him, and then good job, Rick. Thank you too. Um, I just gave it away. Yeah. What's next for you? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I know coming up in July we're going to run some of those Ray Cook races, so we got that to look forward to. This is Greg Satterley, driver of the number 22 Rocket Chassis Super Late Model for Satterley Motorsports, and you're listening to the Motorsports Dig. Running down the rest of the finishers from Saturday night at Virginia Motor Speedway, Zach Mitchell came fourth, Chris Ferguson fifth, Ben Watkins sixth, Benji Hicks seventh, Greg Satterley eighth, Michael Brown ninth, Jacob Hawkins rounding out the top ten, Kyle Lee came eleventh, Jason Covert twelfth, Jamie Latham thirteenth, Dale Howlage fourteenth, Jeff Smith fifteenth, Dennis Franklin sixteenth, Daryl Hills seventeenth, Anthony Saunders eighteenth, Tyler Bayer nineteenth. Corey Gordon, 20th, Dalton Wilson, 21st, Mason Ziegler, 22nd, Casey Roberts, 23rd, Greg Robertson, 24th, Trevor Feathers, 25th, Austin Hubbard, 26th, Russell Irwin, 27th, Dog, Doug Sanders, 28th, excuse me, uh, Chris Blackwell, 29th, and Dustin Mitchell came 30th, uh, 30 entrants on Saturday night at Virginia Motor Speedway. Chris, excuse me, Carson Ferguson won the Fast Track Racing Series USA 100 feature, uh, the 40-lap 3,000-to-win fe feature. Carson Ferguson won that on Saturday night. Um, so uh, that was your Virginia Motor Speedway USA 100 uh, rundown from this past weekend. Now, uh, Central Pennsylvania and Mid-Atlantic Super Late Model Driver Rankings and Ratings uh, through 16 weeks of the season. We're going to start in the Central Pennsylvania uh, 410 sprint cars. Uh, Danny Dietrich sets atop Lucas Wolf by 139 points. Uh, Danny Dietrich uh, has 682.5 points. He has seven wins, 18 podiums, and 22 finishes inside the top 25% uh, in 27 features. Lucas Wolf second with three wins and 10 podiums. Ryan Smith uh, in third. Freddie Raymer fourth. Anthony Macri fifth. Brian Monte the sixth. Lance DeWee seventh. Dylan Sisney eighth. Chad Trout ninth. And TJ Stutz rounds out the top. 10 in the Central Pennsylvania Sprint Car Driver Point Standings. In terms of a Sprint Car Driver 
ratings and rankings. Lance Luis uh, sits atop the power rankings this week, averaging 35.5 points per race. Logan Wagner, uh, second, uh, with 26.3 points per race. Danny Dietrich, third, uh, 25.3 points per race. Lucas Wolf, fourth. Ryan Smith uh, drops to fifth. Kyle Reinhardt, sixth. Freddie Raymer, seventh. Mike Wagner, eighth. Blaine Heimbach, ninth. And Adam Wilt is the top 10. Alan's, Alan Crimes, 11th. Anthony Macri, 12th. Dylan Sisney, 13th. Ryan Taylor, 14th. Brian Monteith, 15th. Kyle Moody, 16th. Brock Zierfoss, 17th. Jimmy Siegel, 18th. TJ Stutz, 19th. And Chad Trout rounds out the top 20 in this week's Central Pennsylvania 410 Sprint Car Driver Rankings. Now, uh, Mid-Atlantic Super Late Mile Driver Ratings and Rankings this week. Uh, Rick Eckert jumps atop the board uh, with 402 total points. He has four wins, seven podiums, and a 10 top 25% finishes in just 11 features. Jason Covert, uh, who was on top this past week, drops to second, 384.5 points in 13 features. He has two wins, seven podiums, and eight top 25% finishes. Jeff Ryan, third, 366 points. He has three wins, five podiums, 17 features. Andy Haas jumps to fourth this past week with two wins, uh, 316 points. Mason Ziegler, fifth. Dylan Yoder, sixth. Greg Satterley, seventh. Michael Norris, eighth. Kyle Lee, ninth. And Brian Bernheisel rounds out the top ten. In this week's Mid-Atlantic Super Late Model Driver points standings. Uh, now, uh, driver power rankings this week. Rick Eckert uh, sits on top, averaging 36.5 points per race. Uh, Mason Ziegler, second, averaging 30.1 points per race. Jason Covert, uh, 29.6, is in third. Max Blair, fourth. Greg Satterley, fifth. Kyle Hardy, sixth. Dylan Yoder, seventh. Austin Hubbard, eighth. Gary Stuhler, ninth. Gene Knob, tenth. Jeff Ryan, eleventh. Kyle Lee, twelfth. Colby Fry, 13th, Tyler Horst, 14th, Andy Haas, 15th, Dan Stone, 16th, Michael Norris, 17th, Jared Miley, 18th, Alex Faree, 19th, and Justin Weaver rounds out the top 20 in this week's Mid-Atlantic Super League Model Driver Power Ranking. Now, on to our interview with Bo Feathers. I caught up with Bo this past weekend. We pretty much uh, talked about uh, what he's up to these days uh, since he's not racing uh, in the Super Late Model ranks anymore, but he has over 100 wins uh, over his Super Late Model tenure. Uh, one of the most illustrious drivers to to ever come out of the state of Virginia. But now he plays car owner to his son Trevor Feathers in the Super Late Model ranks, uh, and he also still runs his roofing business. He's going over 40 years strong. Uh, he's going to talk about that. And then we also talked about the state of dirt racing as well. Uh, Bo is a very opinionated guy, uh, but he's also very credible. Uh, he knows what he's talking about. He's a second generation driver. Uh, his dad, Wayne Feathers, uh, cut his teeth on the local dirt tracks. And now his son, Trevor, is one of the top drivers in the mid-Atlantic area. Uh, so Bo obviously knows what he's talking about. He's been around race cars uh, his whole life. Uh, so here is our conversation with Bo Feathers from this past weekend at Virginia Motor Speedway. All right, everybody, welcome back into the Motorsports Dig podcast, and I'm now with Bo Feathers. Uh, how are you doing, Bo? <laughs> uh, not too bad. We're uh, down here at VMS. And yeah, going to try to run two cars tonight. It sounds like we are the only car. Ernie guys with two cars oh, uh, so double duty double duty it's going to be a hectic night with just two classes so we're going to run our tails off until we leave tonight so. yeah but uh i watched you a lot growing up as a kid you were one of my favorite racers but now 
have your business playing what like crew chief now for trevor or like owner crew chief the guy um, who heads no. heads the no no i just what I, is your role I, I played part of the owner uh then we got larry royston which owns the uh crate car and he's actually stepped up and he's buying a uh well, he's already bought newberry right a um clemens motor from uh, tim logan racing so uh, i'm we're all just doing it together it, it's it's not just one person does it all or mm -hmm. it's a team effort so mm -hmm. so before we talk about the sport in general last week you made your one-off comeback in the in the limited up at winchester how did that go i, I think you came 11th right uh yeah that was a bad night <laughs> uh, i guess i was out of the car for two and a half years and forgot to hook out how to hook seat belts up so uh oh really yeah i took and did it in the warm-ups and i thought i caught the seat belts and kicked them off but it wasn't that i the way that they latch uh, the simpson belt has a just a u-shaped fork that comes in i used to run cam lock so it's been a long time since i ran them belts but i just i missed it and went out in a feature started fifth was running fifth and about five laps into it six laps into it the belt blew off like a, they had a little mini oh charge and blew them off so it's one of those things that happened so it's part of it you have know, you my mistake. like ever had that happen to you before in a car um yeah. yes my cam locks i have hit them before and, and yeah. they come off but you know i just pulled over and had to put them back on do it again so but it's part of it i made the mistake so i take the blame uh, so um did you miss it being in the car? Do you want more races, or was this just a one-off thing for now? Pretty much, that was a one-off thing. You know, I for me to race, my business takes priority one, and that's what it takes for me to keep Trevor racing. And I mean, we don't have a lot of funds to get racing on. We do it with a limited budget, but you know, we get a lot out of what we do with what we have, and uh, it's just part of it. I, for me to race and him to race at the same time is just no way. We tried it in 2012 and it just wouldn't work. Okay. We didn't have enough help, enough people, and not enough money. So yeah, part of it. So, what's a typical day look like for you now? A typical day for me is get typical up. Typical weekday, yeah. Yeah, get up, go to work, take and get my guys the jobs, go talk to people, and try to get work to make sure we can keep the business running. How's the business going? You know, uh, we're pretty good. Roofing business, right? Yeah, the roofing business is real good. We. Uh, I'm fortunate, you know, I got a good name in the area where we live and uh, around Winchester there and I, I keep busy, you know, I yeah. keep my guys going and it, it's tough sometimes, but we work hard at it and uh, my racing was like my roofing. I want to be number one, so yeah. I always go out and I yeah. want to be the best around and that's what I do with the business, you know, I've got a good name for that, and uh, but that's my life and that's what I know and that's what I have to do to make a living and keep everything going. How many years have you been doing it now? Uh, the roofing, yeah. uh, my dad actually had me out. I was nine years old. Okay. So I'm 48 now. <laughs> so that's all I know. 39. I mean, I, it's <laughs> been a long years, time. Almost 40. I was carrying shingles at nine, and then I started putting them on at 12 years old. So, uh -huh. um, I mean, I don't do it like that anymore because of the back injury I had, and I had to have yeah. surgery in 2017. But, you know, I mean, I felt fine once I got out of the race car last week. So that was a plus. I mean, it's not something that I'm scared of. I wasn't scared of. Mm -hmm to get back in a car just you know it's timing yeah I'm, I'm more wanting to see trevor race i get to see him race and it it's just as good as uh, enjoyment watching him as i am was in the car so yeah it's pretty nice and then the sport as a whole i mean you are one of the most passionate guys i know that you know truly cares about sport truly cares about the sport and and uh you know getting it not back on the path but making the right decisions moving forward 
I guess, really broad question, but how would you assess where dirt late model racing is now compared to maybe back 10 years ago, 20 years ago? It's not even close, in my opinion. Um, one of the things that that is upset this whole sport is it's the industry is taking over and there's rules made around what the industry does and what they want. From the chassis builders to the body, the, the guys that do the nose pieces to to the parts and pieces and from shocks to springs to you name it. So it gets into a thing of, for me, I've been around this since 1986, racing myself. Yeah. You know, it's not, it used to be a working man sport and when you have people that come in and have money, they spend a lot of money and they raise the cost of racing because now these engine, you know, engine builders are charging forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars for a motor. The average working man can't do it. That's why this crate racing is kind of, sort of taking off. The modified racing is taking off. But what they don't realize is you're running away to people that work for a living. You know, everybody doesn't have that magic million dollar checkbook to go racing every year. Yeah. Um, for our racing program. People won't believe it. We spend about fifty grand a year. That's what we spend. Wow. That's what our race car brings in. That's what we spend. You know. So, my out of pocket for right now, as of right now, we're at BMS in the middle of June. I've got about eighteen thousand dollars, nineteen thousand dollars worth of money that I've spent out of my pocket. Jesus. So there's a lot of people who can't do that. They want to do it. You know. But we work on our stuff. Trevor builds them cars. Yeah. You know, we get a chassis, cockpit, brake lines, and he builds them. So. But you don't see too much these no, days. No. You know? I mean, you can go buy these cars and it costs you sixty grand for a rolling chassis. Yeah. You know, and they, you put your motor, they put your motor in, set it up, sixty grand. I don't have sixty. It's more than I'm spending the race all year. So yeah. go and do it. Yeah, but um, there, there's a lot of different things. Yeah. I mean, the, the industry, the promoters. I mean, the promoter side is just they failed. They, they're failing at an epic rate. Racetracks are failing at an epic rate. I mean, hell, just last week, what did we see? Four racetracks closed down. Yeah. You, know, you can't, again, it's the working people coming to the racetrack. It's working people. So if you got working people coming to the racetrack, they don't have a lot of money to spend and waste. This is supposed to be enjoyment. If you can't go and enjoy it because now I've done spent more money than I'm going to be able to have to run on all week, yeah. then you don't have people so that, that's a lot of the problem i mean you got to figure out shouldn't be much more than a, a ticket to a movie theater to yeah. cost to get in the stands right. now the big races is different yeah you know when you have a regular saturday night race they shouldn't be charging 15 dollars to get in the grandstands it just to me it doesn't make sense but yeah i'm not the one running a racetrack i can only sit here and speculate so uh for me i'd like to see them fix it because for me racing at winchester and hagerstown i won races in front of you know two three four thousand people now if you get 200 300 in the grandstand you're lucky and it's it's embarrassing for a sport as a whole so but again you know you got to blame the racers you know it's just it's yeah. a vicious circle and, yeah. and you got to blame the fans because you got people watching it on facebook live turn facebook off people and let's watch the races in live in person be part of the action get right. dirty with us the, it, it's a whole lot better sights the sounds the smells you know, yes. the atmosphere i mean i love being down here just in the pits and, oh yeah uh, i mean you can't beat it but um what keeps you going you know is it just the feathers just that just like racing's in your blood and you just have to keep it going at all costs <laughs> uh let's see it's an addiction an addiction yeah <laughs> that's what it becomes uh you know, once you climb in a race car one time, 
pretty much it becomes an addiction <laughs> and you know it's you do everything so you can race you work to race and and that's what you do it's that's what it becomes i mean and most people you get the same you get the same answer out of them probably yeah it's that's what you love to do you know my wife told me all the time hey what are we going to do uh, we're not racing so i'm bored you know that's <laughs> yeah, about what right. it comes to but um no it's for me it's just i've loved it i've done it all my life i mean being seven eight years old going to the racetrack and this is what i've done since then so and i've been racing since i was 15 i've been around it racing in and out of it racing for, since i was 15 so mm -hmm. a long time all right bo that's all the time we have for right now would love to get you back on the podcast one time to do like a deep dive interview oh yeah that would be good one of these days but you, you would probably get a lot of uh publicity on that one because that's nah, okay to, i'm not afraid to say stuff that's that's why we have this <laughs> that's awesome awesome but thank you so much yep thank you and that was our conversation with Bo Feathers from this past weekend at Virginia Motor Speedway. I really do hope to get Bo back on the podcast sometime soon uh, to run down his illustrious racing career uh, and to get a broader perspective on the state of dirt racing. He's obviously a very opinionated person. He knows that. Uh, he knows he may ruffle some feathers with his words, uh, but he's not phased by that uh, because, obviously, he's a credible person, and I want to give him that platform Um to be able to speak his mind and express his mind because he's obviously very credible and he's been around race cars pretty much his whole life. Uh, so we'd definitely love to get Bo back on the show sooner rather than later. But before we close out the show here today, we're just going to preview uh, this weekend. So let's start Friday night at Williams Grove Speedway. 410 Sprints back in action. Uh, and then on Saturday, Lincoln Speedway, 5,000 to win. Uh, 410 Sprints and then Port Royal, 410 Sprints also in action up at the Speed Palace, Super Late Models, Firecracker 100, uh, the World of Outlaws sanctioned Firecracker 100, uh, is this week at Lernerville Speedway, prelim nights on Thursday and Friday, and then the big 100-lap show on Saturday night. Uh, Potomac Speedway on Friday night uh, also had the Gene Van Meter Memorial for the Super Late Models Friday night at Potomac Speedway down in Southern Maryland. Uh, Port Royal, Sealands Grove, Winchester also playing host to Super Late Model Races on Saturday night. Winchester Speedway has the Red Nininger Memorial, $3,000 to win on Saturday. Uh, and then on Sunday, we had the uh, Frank Saggy Tribute Race with special guest Tom Peck um, on Sunday at the Hagerstown Speedway. I will be in attendance uh, for that race. Can't wait for that. Um, I actually recorded a really good one-hour conversation uh, with Alan Saggy uh, last week, which will air on Thursday. Um, so make sure to check that out, uh, our conversation with Alan on Thursday. But uh, his dad, Frank Saggy, was the longtime track announcer at Hagerstown Speedway. Uh, I mean, this guy, I've never met the guy, but I just heard a bunch of stories about him. Uh, a true legend in the racing scene. I didn't drive a race car, uh, but he made uh, these who we call legends nowadays. He he played a huge hand in that uh, as the track announcer at Hagerstown Speedway. Uh, so we're going to honor him as well as um, many racing greats uh, from the good old days, this coming up Sunday at Hagerstown Speedway. Race starts at 6 p.m. Uh, make sure you're there early. I believe pit gates open at 3.30 on Sunday at Hagerstown. Uh, so you don't want to miss this one. 
Um, Alan has done a tremendous job of putting this show together. Uh, he also has Logan Wagner, part of the Pennsylvania Posse. That's right, the Logan Wagner from the Pennsylvania Posse, racing 410 sprint cars up at Port Royal Speedway. He is making his super late model debut this Sunday at the Hagerstown Speedway. Um, so you don't want to miss that as well. I actually also uh, recorded a really good 30-minute interview with Logan this past weekend when he tested uh, a late model for the first time at Hagerstown Speedway. I'm going to post that interview on Thursday to go along with the Alan Saggy interview. So check both those interviews out uh, on Thursday uh, at the Motorsports Dig Podcast. And then also speaking of Alan Saggy and Logan Wagner, make sure you tune in to Dirt Track and Tuesday on Turn 5 Turnaround on Tuesday night at 7.30. Alan Saggy and Logan Wagner uh, will be on the show as well as uh, Glenn Neininger. So Alan Saggy, Logan Wagner, Glenn Neininger on the show uh, Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. Uh, Dirt Track and Tuesday on Turn 5 Turnaround. Don't want to miss it. Make sure you tune in. And then on Wednesday, Dirt Track and Tuesday has uh, a special show lined up uh, on Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Gary Stuhler, Glenn Elliott, Jeremy Miller. Make sure you go on over to Turn 5 Turnaround uh, and watch that 7.30 p.m. Uh, on Tuesday. Uh, Logan Wagner, Alan Saggy, Glenn Neininger, and then 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday, Gary Stuhler, Glenn Elliott, Jeremy Miller on Turn 5 Turnaround with host Danny Wilson. Don't want to miss those shows uh, as well. So uh, before we log off here today, make sure you follow us on Instagram at The Motorsports Dig. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle R. McFadden. My personal Twitter is K underscore F-A-D-D. You can follow me on Instagram at Kyle underscore McBuckets. Make sure you like Turn 5 Turnaround on Facebook and follow Turn 5 Turnaround on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And I also want to give a quick shout out to Worldwide Sprint Car Fans, a Facebook group that allows us to post this podcast on there. And that's all we have for the show here today. And remember to just keep digging. Keep digging.